This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Are there spiritual gifts that exist out in the world today, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that aren't actually listed in the scriptures? That's what we're talking about today. It's going to be an exciting program. You guys stay tuned. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. It's a bop. I tell you, the music it never gets old. Uh, but hey, Remnant Radio is here for you guys. Hope you enjoy this episode and other episodes we create. If you want to you show some Remnant love, there are links in the description. If you want to cho- choose to support the channel, you can, you can give a one-time gift there on PayPal or recurring gift on Patreon. Those are five bucks a month to get access to extra content there on Patreon. Uh, but I also have to let you know about this conference. And I was going to say this conference, I'm looking at my graphics over on the side. I don't see my conference graphic. Let me see if I... I pulled it up over here. Anyway, there's this really cool conference coming up in March, the very uh, beginning of March, first weekend. Uh, there's a link in the description if you want more information about it. Uh, we have been booking up spots real quick. So uh, if you want to get a spot, you want to make sure to register soon. Uh, I've said it a couple times, but we had it open for three weeks, filled the registration, find a different location. So now we've opened registration back up. So please register if you want to hop onto that conference. Without further ado, let me introduce you to... My buddies, my partners in crime. Uh, there is Michael Roundtree. That right there is Michael Miller. He's there in Denver, uh, just enjoying enjoying their best life. Guys, how are y'all doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. So, uh, Miller, curious about your facial hair. I think it was a mustache last time. Let's let's put it on Miller over there. <laughs> it's he, still a mustache. I okay. I trim the beard occasionally and leave that. Although that it eventually blends in if I don't trim the beard again. So, I, but I must ask you, uh, when you grow facial hair, do you do it by <laughs> will, like tongues? Like you can just speak in tongues whenever you want. You can just kind of like grow a full beard anytime you want. I feel like you grow <laughs> facial hair faster than all of us. It's the it's the Jew in me that allows the beard in me to come full forth. That's that's <laughs> the way that works. If it wasn't for all that disobedience of shaving, you would probably be extremely anointed. <laughs> exactly. The, the real we question is: Is, is the conversation growing, hasn't started? Is beard growing a spiritual, a spiritual gift? gift. There it is. So, <laughs> there's Michael the tight end. I would is, be the most gifted guy gift on that this I podcast if that's the case. <laughs> Just say, hey, right. like, I know how to impart the beard growing. Just let me rub my face oh, against your face. Didn't like it in a very didn't kind like and brotherly way didn't like it all hey, right so we're talking about your brother with a kiss that's all i'm saying i just i'm just i'm gonna mute him here pretty soon I'm gonna pull it off of him. <laughs> all right so we're talking about spiritual gifts not listed in scripture is it a thing so we have spiritual gifts lists in the new testament we have romans chapter 12 lists a few first corinthians 12 talks about uh lists some more Chapter, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14 talk about some gifts, but they've already been listed in 12. Uh, Ephesians 4, you have uh, maybe gifts. It's like the people themselves are gifts. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, but obviously, it's like teaching, teachers. There's, there's a connection there. Uh, and so um, we, we've, I don't know, guys, we might have exhausted the whole office versus gift Ephesians 4.11 conversation, but uh, I, I think we can uh, include Ephesians 4.11 in this conversation. Sure. Um, you have First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, where Peter, uh, first of all, indicates that every Christian has a spiritual gift. He seems to break it down into two categories, those that are more serving-oriented and those that are more speaking-oriented. 
You, of course, can't get like too ironclad with those categories because even those who speak are serving by speaking. And even those who serve must probably speak in order to serve well. So, uh, but there are gifts that tend to lend themselves more toward one or the other. Um, But the main gifts are Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Those would be the big categories with maybe a little Ephesians 4 in there. Um, Anyway, so. How do you guys want to do this? I mean, we can just read. Let me just read these off. And if you guys want to stop and pause or stop and talk about any one of these, we can do that. So uh, we've got, uh, it looks like we're starting out with the Romans 12 list. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, con- uh, contributing or giving, leading, mercy. Then we move into 1 Corinthians 12 with word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, discernment of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostleship, maybe, helping others, administration, and Ephesians 4.11, evangelism, pastoring or shepherding, pastoring slash teaching. Um, so those those are the lists and kind of how you categorize those. It's 2021, something like that. So uh, how do you guys want to, are there a few of those you want to pause on or you want to just keep pressing through? And it's, answer this burning question about whether growing a beard is a spiritual gift. Well, I think when it comes to uh, some of these lists, uh, I think that this is probably one of the most generous lists if you're trying to uh, make a difference between like prophecy and prophets, right? In First Corinthians uh, 12, Romans 12, and you know, uh, Ephesians four, uh, this is trying to list them all out. And you, you mentioned 20 or 21, even uh, depending on the pastor teacher and the way that the Greek is rendered there in Ephesians four, uh, you could translate, translate it pastors and teachers, but it seems like more and more scholarships leading to go pastor teacher as if it's like one concept. Um, so, uh, which is completely throwing the charismatic world for a loop. Like it is, I've yeah. been calling oh, it fivefold yeah, fold ministry for decades. And they always use the hand to say, like, this is the apostle and this is the prophet because it's pointing the finger and the evangelist because the middle finger is the furthest finger out. So it's reaching the furthest out. You hear is, that stuff hold on. a lot. I've, I've heard the middle finger was for other different reasons, but that's interesting. That's uh, what and, I you've never pastor, heard this. The pastor is married to the church and the teacher teaches etiquette. And yeah, like I've, I've heard all these things. Yeah. Yes, well, yeah. the one I heard was that the evangelist, which was the middle finger, was kind of like in your face, sort of like giving somebody the bird kind of deal. Uh, uh, no, 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 I don't think any Pentecostal was like sitting around saying, hey, I mean, that's why evangelists. Are the I won't thing. say it was like a reputable teacher that said that, but I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that in charismatic circles, but man, you can hear a lot of strange things in charismatic circles. Can't you fellows? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the, these lists, when we, when we list these out, what's really important, I think that you can, you come to this grip, the, the to come to understand is that if you look at Romans 12, and you go, hey, there's some gifts that are in Romans 12 that like that aren't listed in 1 Corinthians 12 or aren't listed in Ephesians 4. Like, why doesn't Ephesians 4 list out administration or helps? Or why doesn't it list out faith or miracles in Ephesians 4? And, and it seems as if if you look at each of these lists, they're different for a reason. It's because they weren't meant to be exhaustive. Um, Paul's like, oh, yeah, there's this gift and there's that gift. And they seem categorized and organized in intentional ways. Uh, like some of the revelatory gifts seem to kind of be packaged together. And, and another list, he, he mentions first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So, so there are sometimes an organization of those lists, but they were never meant, it appears, to be an exhaustive list. Paul wasn't saying it's these gifts and nothing else, uh, which kind of leads us to think that at least potentially. And and if you think of gifts of the spirit, if you're sitting at home, maybe you're a cessationist watching this video, really upset that charismatics are trying to once again, untether themselves from the Bible. Uh, just think about this a little bit broadly here. We're also saying that leadership is like as a, a gift of the spirit mercy, right? Like, like acts of service is a, is a gift of the spirit, right? So we look at these kinds of things. We say, these are gifts. We're not just talking about supernatural things. So I'm not going to be like, Hey, taking people to trips to the third heaven is a spiritual gift, right? Um, We're not going there. We're just saying, is it possible that the Holy Spirit would empower his people uh, to proclaim the gospel of Christ in a various, in a plurality of different ways? And I think we should at least be open to say, yeah, these aren't exhaustive lists. We think God could empower people in unique ways. At least that's where I would stand with these lists. I'd be curious where you guys uh, lay out there. Would y'all be like, hey, it's not mentioned in scripture, therefore we're not going to teach it, we're not going to practice it, we're not going to 
even entertain the idea of an, an extra biblical spiritual gift? Miller? Yeah, I, I don't think any of these lists are comprehensive. I think they're they're different uh, because it's all ad hoc in the moment. He's just listing off gifts. Like one of the other lists that we didn't mention was in 1 Peter 4. And, and most people don't mention this as being a list, but he literally uses the word gifts. He says, you know, uh, let me see, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 uh, just as each one of you has received a gift, use it in service to one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. Whoever speaks, which I've never heard that is listed as a gift, someone who speaks, let it be with the, with God's words. Whoever serves, do so with strength that God supplies, so that everything God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. Him belong glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Um, you know, again, the the fact that these these lists right here seem to be less miraculous than others, but the same word is being applied, and then. Um, yeah, the whole, like in 1 Corinthians 12, when he's and, going through that list, he said uh, various gifts, but one spirit. He also mentions various ministries, which I would define as various ways to use similar gifts. Um, so like, you know, we have take a gift of prophecy. One person may be speaking to heads of state as a prophetic gifting. Another person may just be, you know, contributing to the local church. So the the scale and influence of each of these gifts could vary as well. And so I, I just don't think the, the lack of a consistency between the various patch, passages and the fact that each one is uh, doesn't seem to be con, uh, uh, comprehensive just in the very language surrounding it would imply to me that there yeah. are gifts that are not mentioned. Yeah, this is uh, this is from Dr. Gordon Fee, who wrote a spectacular commentary on First Corinthians. And uh, here's what he says. Paul is not saying there are nine spiritual gifts and these are the sum of them, nor there, there are nine spiritual gifts and tongues is the least of them. Rather, he is saying there are a great variety of spiritual gifts and here are some of them. Moreover, the emphasis in this listing is not on the gifts themselves at all. In contrast to every other enumeration of this kind in Paul, here he places first and repeats nine times the words uh, ho, hetero, alio, using Greek, to one, to one another, to another. In uh, such... Uh, in other such listings, such as Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul's style is to repeat the connective word a few times and drop it in favor of the list himself, itself. Thus, in Romans 12, he says, whether, 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 then merely list the final three members. This The point where he's re going to is, this stylistic feature does not occur here precisely because the emphasis is not on the list or gifts as such, but on the need for each person to be a part of the ministering body and each one to do so in his or her, her own diverse way. Uh, so I think he nails it on this because uh, if if you read these passages, the emphasis really seems to be not is that one thing your gift, but more make sure whatever your gift is that you're using it and that you're honoring all the gifts in the body. So the eye is not saying to the hand, uh, you know, I have no need of you, or uh, you know, if. The whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? So his emphasis is on the totality of the body of Christ in us being one, in us honoring one another and making space for each other. And so I don't think that the emphasis is these are the gifts and there are none others. And, and then, Josh, to your point, the fact that the other lists are a little bit different uh, seems to suggest that he is just kind of listing some gifts. And I'm guessing that if Paul was here and we could ask him, he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, there, sure, there are other spiritual gifts, too. I wasn't trying to list every single one. There's a letter to a church just making a point about everybody find your place. I think that's I think we're all on the same page as but that. I, I also think that there's like there there are examples in the Old Testament of the spirit empowering people supernaturally in ways that I don't think necessarily change in the New Testament, like. Here, here would be an example, a unique moment in redemptive history. So I think we can say maybe this was unique, but like Bezalel and the other group of guys whose names are impossible to pronounce in the Old Testament, who God supernaturally gives them revelation on how to craft, you know, what a cherubim looks like, you know, or how to craft or to, you know, uh, be skilled craftsmen mm -hmm. when, when making the furniture and how exactly to design it. And God gives them supernatural revelation and then skilled uh, ability to craft, you know, like that is a unique moment in redemptive history. It could be unique that that gift is just for that specific time, but could it also be for an artist today who is designing and drawing and, uh, you know, is creative 
to that God would inspire them, empower them by the work of the Spirit to illustrate something that would captivate the heart and mind of, of people for the glory of God. I, 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 don't, I don't have a I strong mean, there, opposition to that idea. Yeah, I mean, there there is this sort of, I do think gifts of the Holy Spirit are unique because I see them in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, I see them in Ephesians 4 tied to the work of Jesus and his uh, ascension into heaven, and then he pours out gifts on men. And, uh, and I, I think even the meta, uh, or the, uh, metaphor is not really the right word, but just when Paul talks about the body of Christ in first Corinthians 12, that the body of Christ came, a, came about in, in consequence to Christ coming and rising and ascending and then creating the new man, so to speak, the church, which is his body. All that to say the body of Christ and spiritual gifts as they're enumerated in the New Testament, this is like a new covenant privilege. However, we do see prototypes of these things in the Old Testament. For instance, prophecy is exercised in the Old Testament, and then it's described as uh, as a spiritual gift as part of the body of Christ in the New. Uh, I, I don't know, guys. I'm just. Do you guys think I'm I'm putting a little too much discontinuity there, or or not? I I think that like. I, I see prophecy. There's obviously teaching. Surely there would be shepherding, um, leadership. I see these things in the Old Testament, prototypical maybe of the New Testament, but there does seem to be something unique not about spiritual gifts sure. to the well, body of Christ. So let's let's let me throw in something else so that we haven't. Well, we, I guess we kind of mentioned. I, I don't know if I would say that there's a a discontinuity between the old and the new, only in the sense. The only discontinuity would be that that the the democratization of the spirit is given to all. So, could there be uh, potentially a Samson-like person who's gifted with supernatural strength today? Well, why not? Uh, you know, you, you hear stories. <laughs> Hold on, did the camera just zoom in on you when yeah, you I just said that? It. I just zoomed it in on him. I, I uh, was that I punched in. Josh, was that I noticed a subtle. It was, was that a subtle way of just say, look at this guy's biceps? Miller's right. Yeah. The, biceps? <laughs> Did you say biceps? Yeah, because he just talked about supernatural strength, mm, and then you no. zoomed in. No. Look what? How did that get there? Look at that's, that's, all, that's all hoodie. That's all hoodie. Keep going, Miller. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess my point is um, that particular gift that Samson had wasn't mentioned. And then some of the other gifts, like the the fact that these the judges were given wisdom to judge disputes in Israel, you don't see that mentioned in the New Testament. You see a word of wisdom, but it, it not necessarily uh, uh, facilitated the same way in the sense that these were the leaders being given these particular gifts to weigh the matters of legal matters within the the nation. And so um, the other thing I would mention is in First Corinthians twelve, it mentions a variety of gifts, the same spirit; a variety of ministries, the same spirit. A variety of affects or results, but the same spirit, and so all of those come together uh, to create like the the uh, I guess life embodied spirit, um, and and in in that there seems to be so much uh, variety. Like I mean, just the idea that a prophetic gift can be used in various ministries, but then also get various results uh, in that makes it a lot more complex and it doesn't seem like paul is trying to parse that out super specifically he's he's leaving it vague on purpose so that you would leave room for god's supernatural activity to be outside of whatever box you might put him in um, which yeah. i mean this is interesting the, the podcast you guys did on monday there seems to be a uh, an impartation or an affect of the spirit through the ministry of baptism i've not heard of this and you know at least not since the the Waters of John the Baptist, even then the effect was different. Uh, I've not heard of these kind of things. So it, could that be a unique kind of gifting? Or is it just a unique sovereign thing that God is doing in the waters of baptism and that revival in North Georgia? Sorry, I'm going I mean, all over the place here. Sure, you are. So we, would, I mean, we, we, need to, we need to do two things, I think, before we get like too far. Because I think we have all these examples of the Old Testament of like potentially gifts that are not listed in the New Testament that we want to be thoughtful of. I want, I want to do two things. One, you mentioned unique manifestations that happen throughout human history. That'd be worth probably touching on a little bit. But I think we also need to say 
What if someone shows up and says, I have this new ability. We know people who do things like this. Like, sure. you know, I can take you into the third heaven. Let's go together. And then we'll write books about what we see. And then we'll make a bunch of sales, you know, and we'll, we'll really milk the spiritual gift. And, and what will happen is, is we'll come back and we'll say, well, wait a second. You know, that's unbiblical. That's not in scripture. It feels like you're really exploiting Christians that have you know, uh, interest in the supernatural, uh, people who want to learn about prophecy, you're kind of exploiting them for the sake of sales, right? Um, you shouldn't do that. And then they respond, well, the gifts in uh, the Bible are not exhaustive. This is just one of the spiritual gifts. How would we respond to people who are doing new supernatural practices, new supernatural things, and claiming that these things are new gifts? Like, how would we engage with that? You know, hey, go ahead. There, there, well, there's a sniff test on some of this stuff that is worth noting in scripture. One of them being, I, I would sniff out the fact that if it parallels what is condemned in Deuteronomy 18, Leviticus 19, and Leviticus 20, or Deuteronomy 13. I mean, those those practices of the Canaanites that are detestable to God, uh, you can call it a gift all day long. Uh, I, I would tell you that it's detestable to God, even though those things have supernatural affects. So it being supernatural doesn't make it any more of a gift or less of a gift. Right. But um, they would respond, I'm not practicing divination. I'm just teaching people to travel to heaven. Um, well, but I think, that one also Miller, we would, yeah, I think what we would respond is that sounds more like astral projection, right? Which actually is divination. Now, it's one thing if it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and Paul's talking about being caught up into the third heaven. And uh, which is passive. It's, it's not. Right. It's passive. He was caught up, not he concentrated, he practiced this form of meditation, and he did these things in order to be caught up in the third heaven. Uh, that's very different. That would be astral projection. That actually is a new age practice. It's divination. It's roundly condemned by the scripture. So one test is, does it contradict the scripture or not? And I think that's clear. And I, I, I think another test, and... <laughs> Miller, you called it the sniff test in Texas. <laughs> we used to call it good old fashioned horse sense. Um, <laughs> That's true. If somebody is claiming to go to heaven and and see clowns riding around on I don't know what was it Josh wagons and crossing Jello kingdoms and all kinds of mess, like that, just your horse sense should tell you that ain't right. Uh, so so there's one, and and then just like is it Christ centered? And this is, should actually be the case with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit it, and any any sort of manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Is it pointing back to Jesus? And uh, and that's what the purpose of the spiritual gifts are. It's to glorify Jesus. When the apostles pray for signs and wonders in Acts 4, 20, uh, 28 to 30, the reason they're praying this is that well, let me just recite it here. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to preach your speak your word with preach your word with great boldness as you stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Okay, so uh, they're praying for boldness to testify to Jesus, and that through it, that uh, that I mean, the implication of this prayer is that God would be glorified, and uh, and so I think that we have to ask like is having a uh, planned meditation to go to heaven and explore jello kingdoms in any way christ-centered is it helping me in any way understand the gospel the whole test of first john 4 1 to 10 about testing the spirits i don't think it passes the the test there of does it point to christ and so Can those are just a option? few things josh what do you think so here here here's a list that we're going to be going through here in a second the things that might not be listed in in the New Testament passages, right? Uh, we're going to talk about uh, dreams and visions. We're going to talk about dream interpretation. We're talking about maybe deliverance ministry, intercession, uh, maybe even worship leading. Um, you know, here are options of things that could be empowered by the Spirit that might be supernatural gifts that we talk about. But but here's what I would just say: is if you're out there and you're teaching spiritual gifts that aren't found in Scripture, just stop teaching them. It's easy for me to just go, hey, if you're a believer and you're in a work that is aiming to bring people to a knowledge of God or worship God, expect that the Holy Spirit will empower you full stop. Have faith in that. Seek God in that. Ask him to bless that, right? 
Um, but don't go around saying, I have the anointing of worship leading. I have the, the supernatural gift of worship leading. Everyone come to me and I'll lay hands on you and I'll give you this gift. It's not taught in scripture. So don't teach it and don't teach it, right? Like we teach what the scripture teaches explicitly. That's what we teach. May the Holy Spirit empower us in other ways. Certainly. And we want to be open to that. We want to ask God to empower us in ways that would glorify him and magnify him. But if we're going to run back to this is unbiblical, I'm going to be teaching this, profiting off of this, you know, creating an entire ministry around this thing that's not in the scriptures. I think as Christians, we should just we should distance ourselves from that and caution against that. That's just kind of my I, I, I want to say what the Bible that's says explicitly and stay silent when the Bible's silent. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's good because even the gift of teaching, what is the gift of teaching? It's not like if I teach you how to, you know, ride a sailboat, that that's the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is to exposit the scripture, to explain, to make clear, as it says, uh, as, it, as it says that Ezra did, that to, to give the sense, to help people understand what scripture means in a way that edifies, that encourages their spirit, and uh, and that glorifies Christ, that glorifies the beauty of the Trinity. Okay, so that, that's teaching. It's not just like teaching anything. So it actually has to be rooted in the scripture. So I, I agree with that, Josh, because you might have certain opinions that might be true, even. They might even be true, just like there might be true facts about learning to sail a boat. You might have true opinions about whether something's a spiritual gift or not, but we really don't want to turn that into a teaching uh, as part of our like Bible teaching ministry. Right? I, I think that's kind of where you're going with it. I agree with you. Uh, Josh or Miller, did I cut you off? Uh, no, I, 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 I might be taking this in a bit different direction. So again, please feel free to, to rein us back in. But I think the other thing that we did ask the question of is, are there gifts that are actually mentioned in scripture, but not mentioned as gifts? So like I, sure. I mentioned Samson as, as having supernatural strength. There's also Philip being transported. Um, now, what do you do with somebody today who's having experiences like that on more than one occasion? I know a few people that have uh, claimed that that's happened to them. They've been transported. They were in one place, and next thing you know, they're in another place. And so in one occasion, it was a whole group of people in a car together. Um, and the fact that it has happened to a couple of people on more than one occasion. Um, so, like, what's the sniff test on stuff like that? Uh, you know, and, and I... I would agree with Michael in this, that um, it's going to have to be pointing to Christ. In the cases of all those I mentioned, almost every single one of them was going to be leading a meeting in ministry and was upheld either by traffic or by weather. And suddenly they were there and were able to make their meetings and teach the scriptures. Yeah. But would you call that a gift if it's well, regularly I mean, happening to somebody? There is a 1 Corinthians 12, there is a gift of miracles. So I think it could fit under there. And yeah. and for those who are like, it, where is that in the Bible? Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching, and then he's just like taken to, I, I think it's Azotus, if I remember right, a place called Azotus. Yeah, that's so correct. The Spirit just carries him away. And, and you even see in the Old Testament when Elijah's taken up into heaven, and people are like, where's Elijah? Maybe he's been carried away to a mountain or something like that. It, I think that's in... Uh, Am I remembering that story right? I think I am. I'm not anyway, sure which story um, about. I checked yeah. out. I was responding to someone in a chat. Michael, you you lost. I'm so sorry. I like. I was <laughs> responding to someone. I mentioned dream like interpretation. They're like just... Deuteronomy 13, and I was like, really? There are hundreds of references in the Old Testament about dreams. You picked the one that's like negative. Um, sorry, I was like <laughs> trash talking in the comment section. Totally was not listening. It's I'm all, so sorry. It's all good. Well, point. <laughs> point is that does happen in scripture it's not called a gift but i think it would fit under uh the category of miracles i got you well and you could pretty much throw anything that's supernatural that we don't have in the list under the category of miracles which is uh, probably why it's right. there or yeah signs and wonders that's the category of miracles like gemstones and things like that showing up and uh <laughs> what do you call there's, it there, there there there's glitter falling but, from but the no sky no one has the gift it's of gemstones <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Let's let's hop into these because I'm curious if these are even unlisted or if we would just find different categories. Like just now we were talking about being translated in the spirit, multiplying food, um, those kinds of things. We've, we've heard stories from our missionary friends who've been overseas who said, yeah, we've prayed for food on multiple occasions. We've seen it multiply. Um, you know, so what do we do? And, you know, we would get, some of us just now are like, oh, we categorize that under miracles. So I wonder 
if we would do that with some of these other ones as well. So like visions and dreams, uh, it's, it's, you know, uh, uh, a popular uh, uh, way that God interacts with his people uh, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, um, some New Testament passages where visions are actually given, dreams are actually given, uh, but still not listed in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, this is Matthew 2.22, but when he heard, this is Joseph, about our uh, Archelaus uh, was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Acts 10, 10 through 13. Uh, and he, being Peter, became hungry uh, and wanted something to eat. And, uh, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, uh, being let down from the four corners of the earth. Uh, in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds in it, of the air. So, so pigs in a blanket. Uh, and and there came a voice. Uh, uh, <laughs> there came a voice to him: "Rise, Peter, kill and eat." Uh, this is a message that God is speaking. That actually needs some measure of interpretation. That God has made the Gentile people un, or has made the, the Gentile people clean, and that Peter's to go preach to them. Uh, and then here's another one: Acts sixteen nine through ten. Uh, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over here to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul uh, had seen the vision immediately, he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here are three different accounts. You've got uh, Joseph, Jesus's dad, Peter and Acts and Paul in Acts, all having visions and being spoken to by God through the work of the Holy Spirit. But visions and dreams are not listed uh in 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 the romans 12 first corinthians or ephesians 4 uh what do you guys make of that i would definitely say that's visions of dreams go with the gift and i i would call it prophecy but again i think of acts chapter 2 being the fulfillment of joel chapter 2 as well as uh being called the baptism of the spirit you know jesus said you heard it said from john but i say to you um in, in acts chapter 1 um, so it's no no doubt that giving of visions and dreams fits within that category of the gift of the Spirit. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Just yeah. from those two passages alone, I wouldn't even have to go any and, further than that. Yeah, and specifically the gift of prophecy, because in that passage you quoted in Acts chapter 2, in the last days, um, the Lord says, I'll pour out my Spirit on all, all flesh, and they shall prophesy. So prophecy is the heading there. And then your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams. Uh, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit and they'll prophesy. So within the category of prophecy, dreams and visions fit. So Josh, I think that's where that's where I would put it. And I would include dream interpretation as well as dreaming <laughs> as all under prophecy, just like I would and include having a vision and interpreting the meaning of that vision is all part of the spiritual gift of prophecy. And I, I'd but, say anecdotally, I want to throw this in there just because I think this would help that uh, for people who have dreams, they're not always the same. Like my wife, when she has dreams, usually that are prophetic in nature, she actually has these things come to pass. Like when when we were fired from my former church, she dreamt all of all that happened a month before it happened. And then we've had other things like that where she's literally dreamed it coming to pass or dreamt, dreamt those exact things before they came to pass. But here I've had prophetic dreams and it's never a, a foretelling. It's usually here's what's going on right now. And God lets me in on something to pray for it. Like a uh, Wellspring church years ago, Michael, you might remember this dreamt of a lady being in a glass dome. And, uh, and the interpretation was there's somebody in the church who couldn't lift up her arms or had some impediment. And sure enough, I got, it was my Sunday to get up and uh, give some words. And there was a lady who had frozen shoulder syndrome got to pray for and she got healed. So two very yeah. different kinds of dreams, two very different effects, two very different results, but both fit within that category of prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, for me, I would say that whether dreams or visions, I will have them both literal and symbolic. And I just have to ask myself every time, is this yeah. literal or is this <laughs> can, symbolic? Can I just only symbolic. Against, <laughs> can I try to yeah. push back? And, and I, I want to know if, what you guys think of this. So what if I were to say that Luke and Joel are using prophecy as a big catch-all phrase for revelatory things, but when Paul is using prophecy in 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about it in a more narrow sense. And here, here, here would be the mm -hmm. example of that. Because in Luke, 
in, in Acts, Luke is saying, um, this is what is happening. What you're seeing right now, the gift of tongues, is what Joel prophesied about in the last days. So even the broadest category of prophecy looks like visions, dreams, tongues. Tongues? Like, That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, you know what I mean? And yet Paul in 1 Corinthians tries to describe how prophecy is to take place in the local church. He doesn't mention dreams or visions or interpretations. He mentions, it seems like, speech uh, that is going to be weighed. And again, I'll, I'll create room for that if, if there wants to be pushback. But he lists tongues as a separate gift in 1 Corinthians 12, whereas it seems like Joel and Luke are placing them under this like big category. So I'd be curious, because if I read 1 Corinthians 12, I, I can see the biblical argument for why uh, dreams and visions could exist under prophecy. But it doesn't seem like Paul is necessarily uh, using it in that big way. I'll push back on it. Yeah, yeah. Here's why. Luke traveled with Paul. And prophecy is mentioned all throughout the uh, throughout Acts, even when Paul is with Luke. So like Agabus comes up and, and prophesies. I mean, there's the we being used for Paul and Luke. Um, so I, I, would, I would say that I don't think Luke is going to be using the word prophecy in a different sense than Paul would. What do you think, Michael? Uh, I, I mean, I do agree with Josh that Acts 2 is a very broad designation, a uh, broad umbrella usage of prophecy. I do agree with that. Now, it's interesting that within Acts 2, he, he's addressing the tongues that's happening, but he quotes a passage that includes dreams and visions. Um, and so what I think I would say is that, um, the people speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2, it says they were declaring the wonders of God. That was the prophetic element of it. They're, they are speaking for God. They're, they're becoming his mouthpiece. And it is in this sort of broad, prophetic, sort of revelatory way, uh, but they are declaring the wonders of God. And I think prophecy does always do that. Um, I think my reading, and I would probably side more with Miller, um, I, I think my reading of first Corinthians 14, like it doesn't, we don't, we aren't told how the person knows the secrets of heart, for instance, in first Corinthians 14, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, is it 26, I guess. Um, so we aren't told, could he have had a vision? Could he have had, could he have fallen asleep while Paul was preaching and had a dream? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so I've just taken it like, you know, he's not he's not giving us the detail about how the prophet gives the revelation. He's just assuming that the revelation, in fact, and uh, I guess it, actually this would be verse 26, like when one of you comes and one of you has a revelation, he doesn't tell you how that revelation comes. But surely I would expect that oftentimes it comes by visions. If it didn't come by visions, how else did it come? Maybe it's like Acts chapter 8 where the Spirit speaks to Philip and it's just like this whisper in the spirit, maybe. Um, so I would just say Paul's leaving it open because his main topic is not what are the various forms of revelation that God could speak in, but rather prophecy versus tongues. Uh, the other thing that I'll say that's just kind of interesting, Josh, to the point that you made where like Acts chapter two has this seemingly broad definition of uh, prophecy. It's sort of like all things revelatory. Here's what's interesting. Acts chapter 19, if I remember right, I'm pretty sure I do. Um, he says that when the people are, when the spirit comes upon these, uh, these individuals, when the spirit comes upon them, it says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So he actually distinguishes them to, right there. Yeah, it so, does. Um, I don't know what you guys, what you, what would you say about that, Josh? Um, because in Acts 2, it seems like he fits tongues under the prophetic designation. In Acts 19, he seems to distinguish him. What thinketh thou? I, 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 I mean, I'm just comfortable with that. There are 12, and it's mentioning 12 as well. It's supposed to be hearkening back to the 12. I, I don't think you would Luke would make that mistake uh, or say that just coincidentally. No, I don't think it's coincidentally either. I just think that we can talk about things. like We, we put in an ick at the end of it, right? Prophetic. Um, to kind of categorize a bunch of gifts, right? And I just think yeah. then they 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 did the same thing. There were times that they were using the gift of prophecy in a very specific, direct sort of way, and then other times they were talking about prophecy in a in a broader, general way. It's like the word apostle. Like 
it seems as if there's a time that apostles of the lamb, it's always talking about the 12 and then just apostles generally. Um, it, 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 those two things can be used in a way, depending on your biblical author, depending on the context of the text, where it seems like it's talking about the 12 or just maybe generally someone who was sent. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm comfortable with that. The biblical author is not trying to have a meticulously, a meticulous use of the different gifts. And, and it's one of the things, cause if tongues is a gift under prophecy in, in some category, and then in another category, it's separate than prophecy. Like in first Corinthians 12, he, he mentions tongues and interpretation of tongues. And I think it's interesting because the person who speaks in tongues, um, has the gift of tongues, but they're still dependent on another person in the body of Christ that's getting the interpretation. They might get the interpretation themselves, but they're dependent on another person. But then also with dream interpretation, there are some people who have a dream and that they are dependent on other people in the body of Christ to get that interpretation. So again, it seems like the emphasis is even in your gifting, you're still having to rely on other parts of the body of Christ to flesh out the whole. Um, Yeah. And I would say just a, a reference to this that would, that would be helpful is remember when we had Kathy Gray on the show to do dream interpretation. Sure. Now, both Josh and I would agree. We, we, I think we'd all probably agree on this podcast that we think dream interpretation is likely a gift. And oh, yeah. if anybody has it, Kathy Gray certainly does. And so you I think Michael Roundtree, I, I've given he a does, couple yeah. of dreams to Michael Roundtree that he seemed to, to get very quickly. Uh, and I had a general sense of what some of them meant. And not only did yeah, he whenever, hit that general sense, but he also fleshed out some of the stuff. Yeah, whenever uh, Miller came to Wellspring that one time and he prophesied about the lady with like the dome, I had to be like, bro, that's not literal. He's like, I think it's literal. <laughs> no, that, that didn't happen. I made that up. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, you know, I just tend to think of prophetic as revelatory. And I think just one thing just that's important to say is that these gifts are not really defined. We see them in action sometimes. And so there's a little bit of, of guesswork, but that actually reinforces, I think the broader point that we're making that Paul's gift lists are not comprehensive and definitive for all there is, because even the gifts he does list, he doesn't really define. And there seem to be various expressions of prophecy. And sometimes I saw some of you guys talking about this in the chat. Sometimes it's foretelling. Sometimes it's foretelling. Sometimes it seems to involve dreams. Sometimes it seems to involve visions. So there are lots of expressions of these things. So we're just trying to, to do our best to rightly divide the word of truth and, and to use all the contextual clues to, to try to uh, define these things. But but it's pretty hard. But I And I think that just reinforces what we're saying. The, the list isn't comprehensive. Let's move from dreams and interpretations, because, I mean, we've got Daniel, we've got Joseph, yeah. um, a lot of examples of those in the Old Testament. Let's talk a little bit about deliverance, okay? Um, some people would, I, I mean, like Don Miller, who was it that used to have like an, has an office over near my old church in Colleyville, Texas? Uh, it was oh, Don Dickerman. Uh... I read yeah, Don Dickerman. Uh. Don Dickerman has, um, you know, has a deliverance ministry, and there are lots of people that it's like deliverance is their thing. Uh, I'll say I've had quite a bit of success in casting demons out, not nearly as much in like physical healings, and uh, and so there just there does seem to be. I mean, some would say there is a gift for deliverance. There is a gift for casting out demons, even though Paul doesn't call it that. Would you say that there is a gift for casting out demons or would you say that this falls under another gift? What do you guys think? Uh, so this is something I see a lot as well. And you guys know this. Um, I saw a lady get delivered this last weekend. Um, and usually if I'm praying for the sick, I'm also seeing deliverance of demons. Um, and I tend to think discernment of spirits might be the name of the gift uh, because I don't necessarily think that the gift itself or the, the, the act of casting out a demon is necessarily the gift itself. I think the, um, the knowledge that would come with how to get rid of it would be probably the gift. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I, so I you, think so- it m- might be healing if I had to categorize it into something else. Because the way that it talks, like in the go- what gospel is it? I have a, a, in my notes here, like in Luke, 
over and over, he says that he healed them and he describes healing as casting out the spirit, right? Many, he cured many of their infirmities, Luke seven twenty one, and afflictions and evil spirits. He cured their evil spirits. And, you know, and then uh, this is Luke 6, 17 through 19, and a great multitude of people who came to, uh, to hear him and he healed their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. So the people who had demons got healed, right? Uh, and, and obviously we're, we're saying, we have to say this every time because sometimes we'll get accused of this. We're not saying everyone who's sick has a demon or if you have a demon, you're always going to be sick. But it does seem as if when Luke is talking about the work and ministry of Jesus, as he's casting these demons out, he calls the, the deliverance of these demons healing. So I think it's at least potential that it would fall under that category. But again, yeah. anecdotally, I've seen people, like I travel with a guy who's an evangelist for years, and everywhere he went, I mean, we'd walk into a room, like we wouldn't even be preaching, we wouldn't even like having people repent of their sin or like altar call moments. It wasn't like, like when I hear the the stories from Miller and we talk you know, or I'm even with Miller doing ministry, people will come up and say, hey, I've been wrestling with this. And he goes, okay, well, when did that happen? He starts doing some some groundwork on figuring this out. Jacob would just walk into a room. People would just like start slithering out of their seat and making plenty of noises. And, like, I mean, <laughs> that happens with wild. Ken too. Uh, uh, say what? Well, that happens with Ken Fish. And yeah, I, I Ken even Fish. Asked this. I, I asked Ken, I said, do you think it's a gift that you have or something else? He goes, he goes honestly, I don't know. But, I don't know if it's that I just know what I'm looking for. Or if it's that some sort of unique gifting God has given me. So what he if, can't even tell you, and yet he sees more of it than anybody I know. What if it's like that gifts of healings, plural? Remember, like we, we talk about that all the time. What if, like Miller, you've had a lot of success in praying for people who had like no arches in their foot or something like that. And it seems like you your grace to heal arched feet, you know? Uh, not like all the feet, but you know, some Flat of them feet, it seems yeah. like. Dude, dirty foot disease healings. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. You're underestimating and, my and foot healing this, sir. <laughs> Yeah, so Miller has that. I had I have been used a lot to heal sleeping issues. And uh, we had Max Lucato on the show who was explaining how God has used him to heal lots of couples that were infertile. And so we had him... You guys remember this? Yeah, we had yeah, him that's pray great. on the show. Oh, yeah. I get testimony still. For, yeah, for healing uh, couples that were infertile. And what was it like some months? I mean, it must have been like 10 months later or something like that. We get a picture from the delivery room of somebody like, yep, Josh, I don't want to misrepresent. I think I remember there was a remnant radio screen. They were like watching in the background. And then he was literally in the labor and delivery room. And he's like, we're here because of the, because of remnant radio, <laughs> yeah. which was Max Lucado's gift of, of healing. Yeah. Did I tell that story right, times, Josh? Yeah. People message us and we're like, Hey, uh, we couldn't conceive, watch that video conceived instantly or something like that, you know, something to that effect. Like we think it was yeah. probably connected, but then they're also like watching remnant radio in the delivery room. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> turn it off, dude. <laughs> Save yourself, dude. Don't do that in the delivery room. <laughs> hey, but you know what? I'm just going to say this. So if you are watching and you are struggling with fertility issues, look up our Max Lucado yeah, episode. I agree. And I, agree. And I think yeah. that prayer can be, uh, can be retroactively applied. I don't think you had to watch the show live and just pray with Max Lucado's recorded voice. So we'll do you see. think that Michael though, if there's gifts of healings where people are just like supernaturally graced to heal in certain ways that it could be connected to deliverance ministry in some way, like I, supernaturally I, graced to heal that. I have always understood deliverance ministry as a, an arm of healing ministry. Um, in part, cause like even just look in the new Testament where you see, say, like Matthew chapter 12, there's a deaf and mute spirit that Jesus casts out. In Luke 13, he casts out a, a disabling spirit. And so we see spirits that cause physical infirmities. So naturally, there is this connection between spiritual and physical healing. And so I, I would connect the two and, uh, and say that the ministry of deliverance is an arm or a branch of healing ministry. And, and Josh, I like thinking uh like that designation you talked about in first corinthians 12 where he talks about not gift the gift of healing but gifts of healings uh, that like some people have this gift for uh in healing infertility some for healing flat feet some for healing uh sleeplessness and some for casting out demons and and that there are just lots so if you want to discover what yours is just like pray 
for a whole lot of people, and you'll you might find that you have success with a with a certain thing. But uh, yeah, Josh, to answer your question, I I think it falls under that category. Dope. Okay, so should we move on to intercession, worship leading? I don't have worship leading in the notes. I just think it's probably a thing. And this is actually this might be a good time to bring up Judah's comment. Judah had a good comment a second ago. If you guys don't know Judah, he he hops on here quite a bit. I don't see him always live, but he made a comment about talking about the gifts as graces. This one right here, probably. What if we referred less to charismata as gifts and just called them graces or something? Our modern secular culture tends to attribute non-physical gifts to the gifted rather than the giver. That's a good um, point. I think That's a really good point. He, he's got a great point here, especially if you think about these as graces that God is empowering. Because when you look at grace in Scripture, it is really an empowerment to do something. And if you think about them like that, I could see people being empowered to worship, people empowered to intercess, people. And when you think about it like that, I think it 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 really kind of liberates you as in like God can empower you to be a craftsman. God can empower you to be an artist. God could empower you in any way that would one edify God's people and glorify God's name. If they can do one or both of those things, it seems as if it would be something that God would want to do. And if you think about them in terms of graces, it's it's really simple. I think it really kind of takes all the sting out of it. Well, and it is actually the word, right? It's yeah, like grace right. lets is sort of the the way you would transliterate that, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Also, so, Judah is it, coming it, it to lead worship at our conference, so you guys should. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 that's still being solidified, Josh. We're we're talking, Judah. We're talking. You're leading. You're leading worship at the conference. You literally telling him live. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna make Which, it happen. By the way, he's, is he's coming. He may lead worship. Okay, so Josh, you you like the uh, calling them graces, the idea of possibly calling them graces rather than gifts because it might emphasize the empowered Mm. nature one thing i like about it is that it emphasizes the spiritual giftedness aspect versus just a natural ability like yeah uh, i I don't know that somebody has like the spiritual gift of accounting right (laughs) but like i think you went to school (laughs) and you were trained in debits and credits and how to record those i don't think that's a spiritual gift now um somebody could use that to and offer it to god and they could you know, bless the church and the kingdom in those ways. But I don't think we would, I would call that a spiritual gift of service that is using your natural skill set. Um, that actually brings up another question though. And uh, because we've talked several times about Bezalel and Exodus, I want to say it's Exodus 34, uh, where, where Bezalel, he's filled with the Holy Spirit in order to do this like tabernacle artistry. That f- Here's what's weird about that. That doesn't feel spiritual gifty at all. That feels like a natural skill set. Like I I doubt Bezalel was like, what's a hammer? And then suddenly the spirit of God came on him. It was like, whoa, I'm like the Hebrew Mark Michelangelo now. Like, I doubt that it happened that way. I bet that he was like honing his craft his whole life. And then the spirit of God came on him and empowered him to do the tabernacle. Sounds kind of like a natural gift set. So I I don't know that I call that spiritual gift. I I mean, first of all, it's not spiritual gift, at least in the in the New Testament sense, tied to the body of Christ and the ascension of Jesus. But uh, even prototypically, I don't even know what to what to call that. I, what do you guys call that? I almost want to look at the passage, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you. For me, like I was in Bible school, I was a dyslexic kid, uh, still a dyslexic kid, I suppose. Um, uh, I'm 30, so not quite a child, but. Uh, you need to go get in those waters in North Georgia, bro. Yeah, that'll be it. But the, the all, all, all that to say was that I remember a moment where, um, you know, I was reading a passage. Uh, uh, and I, this it, the irony is I can't remember the, the address of the passage, but uh, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, He'll teach you. He'll remind you. Was it John? Yeah, it's coming to me as I'm saying it. Um, uh, the, all the things which I've said to you, and uh. I read that passage and was like, well, I don't have tongues at the time. I didn't have tongues and didn't see any gifts of the spirit like in my life actively. And I was like, well, if you can empower me to do something, would you empower me to do this one? Like that would be extremely helpful. Um, it's it's hard for me to glean information, um, but I'd like to I'd like to have that. You know, uh, that would be a helpful thing. And there wasn't like a spectacular moment that took place. You know, there wasn't like a mighty rushing wind that came blowing through the room or anything like that. But I do remember a marked moment going forward from then 
where it seemed as if there was influence, there was um, there was an ability to retain information and explain information quickly. Um, it seemed like the Holy Spirit was teaching me and reminding me the things that He'd spoken uh, through the Scripture, and it was something that I could I could do and that I couldn't do before. Um, so it, it would I think for other people could see that and go, well, that's a natural gift. Josh has picked that up over time. He's read, he's studied, he's he's trained himself to do these things. And I would say, yeah, I, that's absolutely happened. But with all the other spiritual gifts, you do the same thing. You grow in prophecy and healing and, and teaching. Like when you teach the Bible, hopefully you're better teaching the Bible today than when you first started teaching the Bible if you have the gift of teaching. So I I really don't have a problem with someone, um, you know, like Hitler. I think Hitler, and this is a really uh, an example in the opposite direction, but Hitler was probably a decent leader his entire life. But I still think the guy was demonically empowered to lead. And I just I have no problem thinking that Saul might have been a good leader, but then the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowered him to lead. And just thinking of the natural gift set with a supernatural nitro to it, you know, like a little extra, yeah. a little extra something in the sauce. And uh, that doesn't really affect me, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, this you you're doing it again, bro. You just like always you love to do that. He goes, Those he goes, of you who are listening on audio, this is the mm, part of the show where Josh uncomfortably yeah. puts the camera on me. Um, <laughs> so, um, okay, well, we didn't really t- we didn't really answer the question about intercession and worship. I'm going to tell y'all what I think. Lay it on um, me. I think it's possible that intercession and say worship leading or something like that could be spiritual gifts. I think it's also possible that those are gift combinations. So like intercession, I mean, if somebody has the gift of faith of first Corinthians 12, like which the gift of faith goes beyond just having faith, uh, every Christian, I mean, we, we have confidence in God or, I mean, if we didn't believe in him, we wouldn't have faith. So, um, faith is, is kind of like the body of Christ. We, we have faith, but like there are some people that are particularly, gifted in faith you know like paul saying first corinthians 13 if i have faith to move all mountains that seems like the kind of thing an intercessor would do so intercession could be the gift of faith maybe it's a gift of faith mixed with mercy because your heart breaks for other people and you're always praying for them so maybe there's something like that worship man uh worship leaders all our all the worship leaders and band members out there i just want to give you guys props because you guys get to church like four hours before everybody else and you stay late and you and you work so hard and you're honing your craft all week. Very true. Uh, man, that is such an act of service. I mean, which which is also awesome because like here you are, you're like on a stage in a way like getting the spotlight for everybody to see. But like the the reality is there's so much that people aren't seeing that is service. And so I think that could just be like one expression of service where you're using to, to talk, you know, kind of pull in what Josh was saying. You're using some natural giftings and uh, instrumentation and vocals and those kind of things, but then the spiritual gift could be helps or service. Now, saying that, I think it's also possible that intercession and worship are their own spiritual gifts. You know, Paul does say in First Corinthians fourteen twenty six, one of you comes with a hymn. So uh, I could go either way. What do you guys think? I mean, experientially, I think of uh, Alyssa Smith who wrote the song. Um, uh, what is, this is how I fought my battles. What's the, I don't actually know the name of it. You know the song, know. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. This is how I fought uh, my battles. No, 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 no. Here's the no, thing. No. Don't do that, Michael. This is the thing about this. <laughs> she didn't, like, go into a, a creative writing process to write that song. It just came to her when she was worshiping and leading a prayer set. Um, and, I mean, I've just seen her and others do things like that on the spot that it makes me go, man, if, if worship isn't also intermixed with prophetic, if it's like, it's got to be supernatural. I just don't know any other way. Like, I mean, you, you have to craft a skill. There's no doubt about it, but then to suddenly be able to create, uh, with that kind of, uh, power, I I just, I think it's revelatory. I don't, I, I would say it has to be. I mean, you have that so passage in, in Second Kings. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I there's that, that passage in Second Kings, right? Elijah, Elisha. Prophesy with your instruments. Yeah. Well, Elisha was trying. He, these five kings come out to him, and they're like, hey, prophesy. Was it five? Might be getting the, the story of Chedorlaomer mixed up with the... Uh, sorry, someone's calling me right now, and I 
don't know why that it was able to come through. Um, so uh, uh, the the anyway, there's a group of kings that come to Elisha. And they're like, hey, prophesy over us. And then one king's like, dude, that guy never gives me a positive prophetic word. And Elisha's like, kick rocks. And uh, then then one of the kings there, he has you know uh, a name with Elijah or Elisha. So he says, okay, I'll prophesy over you. And then he calls for a minstrel to come forward and like play a harp or something like that. And as yeah. he's playing, Second the Kings spirit five, of the Lord I'm falls on sure. him. Yeah. So it's it sure seems it's like, like yeah. worship music is at least connected somehow, or music is in somehow connected to uh, prophecy in that regard. Like it seems as if mm-hmm. Elisha couldn't prophesy. And that worship to God seemed to manifest the Spirit in some unique way in the Old Testament. Um, I have mm-hmm. no problem thinking that happens in the New Testament. Yeah. I thought you were going to quote the, I think it's First Chronicles 25, where it talks about someone like prophesying with harps. And some have taken that to mean that like the literal harps are prophesying. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't think that's what it means. I think they're prophesying along with harps. <laughs> but that'd be kind of interesting to prophesy with your instrument, but I don't think that's what it means. I don't go back to the verse, but I'm pretty sure that's not what it means. I mean, God, I I wonder if God could speak to you through, I mean, he speaks in various ways, right? We get visions in our head, but what if people get, get music in their head? What if he's literally giving them notes to play and pluck? Why would that be so far fetched? I mean, it's clear that certain chords and certain music, certain it definitely elicits natural emotions. The Holy Spirit, I Here's, suppose, could use that. I don't know um, why the Spirit couldn't revelatory give that. Revelatorily, at give least, that. yeah, it makes sense. I, I potentially, I'm open to the possibilities of it. I think, though, at the same time, what we don't want to do is, and I think this is probably Roundtree's, you know, uh, instinct here is to go. We don't want to make everything prophecy to the point that nothing is prophecy anymore. Um, so I I would say that if you're a skilled instrument, like you can play with an instrument really well, you're skilled at that. I would still say that like God can empower you to do that. And that can minister to people just like you're just playing the keys. You're not singing, you're not saying any words, but you're like moving people. Like, I think God could use that. Absolutely. But I, I, I'm hesitant in calling that specifically prophecy just because it, it feels like it, it lowers the level of what prophecy actually is. Does that make, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to be careful not to do that, uh, but you're not necessarily excluding it either. And it's just no, being, no, no. at the same time, we well, want to we keep don't, a, a level of safety yeah, to it. And, and we don't want, here, I looked up the verse. It is First Chronicles 25 1. David and the chiefs of the service also set apart for the service of the sons of Asaph. And of, I love this one, He Man. That's just how I say it. Uh, <laughs> nice. And of, and of, is Skeletor in the passage too? <laughs> <laughs> you remembered the villain. No, but name. she is. <laughs> anyway, so here's the relevant part: who prophesied with lyres, with harps, and with cymbals? I mean, I really think that means they prophesied and they and used that instrumentation. But uh, but it does go to show, to your point, Josh, when the with the Second Kings five reference to Elisha, that there does seem to be this marriage and coming together of prophecy and music. I tell you what, man, I, I sound so Southern, don't I? I tell you what. Um, so <laughs> like when I'm getting a prophetic word at say Walmart and I'm just like, say, in a, uh, maybe I'm in a line, I'm buying something, I'm listening to the Lord for the cashier or something like that. That is way harder than when I'm at church and the worship music is flowing and I'm just kind of like in the spirit and listening to the Lord for someone in my church. The latter is so much easier to hear the Lord. Now, the stronger I get in prophecy, the more I can do the Walmart thing. <laughs> and and I that's actually a great evangelistic tactic. I mean, I have seen God do incredible things through that. But um, anyway, I do think there is something to be said for the accompaniment of music with the prophetic. Yeah. Uh, so guys, we're at we're at 507, so 7 past our normal show stop time. Uh, you guys have any closing thoughts, anything we need to say to round this episode out? <laughs> I do that thing right for the Cameron Miller. He's not as uncomfortable as, as it when I do it with Roundtree. I, I, my, my general answer is yes, there are probably gifts outside of those listed in the three passages we, we've talked about a couple times, but I think at the same time, we need to be careful not to teach things that aren't in the Bible. So, uh, I think we need to be open to God empowering us uh, in many ways in those lists 
describe the ways that God definitely empowers us. Um, so that, that's kind of where I would draw my line. I'm happy with that. Cool. Hey, quick correction. Second Kings three, not second Kings five. Thanks for that, BJ. All right, Miller. Um, what about you? Closing thoughts? No, I just think we need to leave ourselves open to the idea that God can, can do things quite outside of the box or the list that we have mentioned. Um, yeah. but again, using those things as a teaching point would not be wise. Yep. Hallelujah. Cool. All right. I agree with y'all. <laughs> so guys, thanks so much for joining us on Remnant Radio. And uh, if you like this episode, hit that like button. And come to our conference button. in March. And come to our conference. It's run, it, it ran out of space, so we got a bigger space. And according to Charles, he thinks this is going to run out of space pretty soon. So Charles we is the one who organized this conference for us. left already. Okay, so um, so yeah, you guys uh, get get yourself to North Carolina at the first weekend of March, and uh, we're gonna do Remnant Radio Conference. Going to be great. Uh, anything else I missed out, guys? Uh, sub- I guess check out Patreon. That's a, a place where you can uh, help us out. We're crowdfunded. Josh said that at the top of the show, and also PayPal uh, is more for like one-time donations. So uh, anyway, love for you guys to support the show. Thanks for join uh, so much for joining us. God bless you guys and have a great week. Hugs and kisses. Want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek in Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.